like leaning into my own wisdom and um, kind of prioritizing the one or two things that'll move uh, everything forward uh, in my two to three hours of time that I do have. Uh, I think that's the that's the biggest lesson where it's like prioritizing time is so important. Um, and also, you know, you just don't have the time to, uh, to second guess yourself. So you really need to learn or lean in on your own, um, intuitive wisdom, uh, that you're making the right decisions. You're, uh, you know, you're, you're leaning in with your confidence that you already have. So I think that that is, um, such a huge factor, but I think the biggest, uh, biggest thing that ties it all together is to have compassion for yourself. Welcome to the With Sayada podcast brought to you by the Centre for Belonging and Understanding. The podcast that brings to you stories of lived experience that you might not otherwise encounter. This is a podcast that encourages you to cultivate belonging and understand others. I'm your host, author and coach Sayida Zaidi, and every episode I'll be asking a new guest to share their story. Dr. Nita Bushan is a former cosmetic dentist turned best-selling author, international speaker, social entrepreneur, and the advocate for mental health and emotional health, and a leadership coach. She left her million-dollar dentistry practice to pursue a quest for self-discovery, a journey that saw her spend 15 years across 45 countries researching and immersing herself in the field of human development and behaviour dynamics, as well as studying the works of classical philosophers and modern psychology. In her pursuit, she achieved personal transformation and how interpersonal psychology sparked by her own life experience to overcome multiple extreme adversities, which include being orphaned at a young age, losing her mother, her father and brother, surviving an abusive marriage of domestic violence and facing homelessness. Nita is the author of Emotional Grit and co-founder of Global Grit Institute. She wrote the Book of Coaching and the Business Book of Coaching with her husband, Ajit Nawalka, who is the co-founder of Evercoach by Mindvalley. One of the key values Nita believes in is to serve first, love always, which means to serve love in everything you do. So today I am so pleased to be joined here with Nita Bushan and Nita actually when I first met her was pregnant with her first child and she's now had her second and so we're going to have conversations about entrepreneurship and motherhood and all of these other things but what I want to do is I had a look at your website and it's like pretty awesome you've done it up and it says hi I'm Nita Bushan One of the key values I believe in is to serve first, love always, which means to serve love in everything you do. 
And I just want to begin this by saying the way that you show up in the world is testimony to that. So welcome, Nita. Oh, what a great intro. I love that, Saida. Thank you for that. Thank you. It's it's just, I don't know, there's something really, really special about it because I know that, you know, um, uh, this has been kind of like a little mantra that's been going on in the in the back of the work that you've been doing. But there is something really magical about showing up with the idea that you are going to be of service first and you're going to do it with the lens of love. And I'd love for you to just kind of like unpack a little bit of that for the people listening and watching. Yeah, I, you know, I think, um, I mean, it could very well stem from uh, my background, right? And just who I am as a, as a person. Um, but I've always, you know, you kind of, you grow up in this melting pot of um, my mom, you know, was Filipino, my dad was Indian. And, you know, there are these core values culturally and subculturally that, uh Um, you have, you know, family coming in, always want to be able to serve them. And I think that um, community and connection have been the through line uh, for me personally, um, you know, having to go through uh, a lot at a young age and and having to grow up super fast. And so I think that um, kind of integrating a lot of the self-work and the self-healing that I've done over the years Whereas before, um, and perhaps maybe many of your listeners may agree with this, I equated um, uh, serving first with this martyr syndrome that I needed to uh, neglect my own needs. But, you know, this this. holistic and integrated approach now where, where it's still similar, where I am serving first, but it's with the intention that, um, there's value at the end of the conversation. So, um, even today, uh, you know, being here with you want to be able to, you know, give as much value as, as possible, because I think a lot of times, um, especially in, uh, you know, a lot of the work that we do and, uh, you know, what you're taught is negotiations and uh, being able to put your, you know, put yourself first um, and being able to, you know, take what you can get, right? There's there's all of these these things out there when, when you're a female um, entrepreneur. Uh, and I think that we can really, uh, you know, lean into our feminine side and really embrace race, um, that, you know, the, the qualities that make us human and that really, um, forge connection again, connection and, um, and being able to do so by, by, you know, showing your humanistic side first. And so that's kind of what I mean by, um, being able to, uh, to serve first, but, you know, love is the through line there, uh, always. Mm, I love that. And, and what you're sharing is kind of leading me to, um, think about your children because you're a mum now, and and I know for me, like one of the things I will not compromise on is my priorities for them. So yes, of course, you want to show up and be an entrepreneur and do all of your work and all of this, but you kind of have an idea of of how that sits in the hierarchy of things. So what I would love to know is is how are you approaching entrepreneurship differently? now that you're a mom of two compared to what you were doing before when you weren't a mom? Wow. Oh, well, 
Well, I, I will for, I mean, I'm, Saida has caught, caught, you caught me now where it's like, I'm in the thick of it. I <laughs> uh, have, have barely like, she's only 11 weeks and then I have a two and a half year old. So if this is like the, the throws and, um, you know, <laughs> I was just having a conversation with my husband literally yesterday, we were on the couch and I'm like, you know what? Like even last year, we were able to go on walks, um, you know, because it was just one child <laughs> and we could just take him out the door, you know, and put him in a stroller. And now there's two. And by the time if we decide that we're going to go on a walk, we have to get all of these things together, snacks and diapers and burp cloths and all of these things. And we can't make it out the door for a 30 minute walk. And so I'm like, I, I really miss those walks. And he's like, he's, he's like, yeah, it's crazy how everything has shifted. And, you know, when they say, okay, there's two and there it's double the work, uh, it's, it's, it's real. And, um, I don't think I really took it into account the amount, um, of less time that I would have, uh, compared to a few years Instead of, you know, um, making myself feel guilty or uh, trying to push as much as I used to, I think now I've really surrendered in that um, even, for instance, uh, there's a couple of projects that I, I have on the table, um, like writing my next book, um, whereas before I would spend, you know, all day and I could spend all day long, uh, you know, eight, 10 hours researching and writing and, and doing all of the things that I generally would second guessing myself, doing a bunch of research. Now it's more leaning into my own wisdom and, um, kind of prioritizing the one or two things that'll move, uh, everything forward, uh, in my two to three hours of time that I do have. Uh, I think that's the, that's the biggest lesson where it's like, prioritizing time is so important. Um, and also, you know, you just don't have the time to, uh, to second guess yourself. So you really need to learn or lean in on your own, um, intuitive wisdom, uh, that you're making the right decisions. You're, uh, you know, you're, you're leaning in with your confidence that you already have. So I think that that is, um, such a huge factor, but I think the biggest, uh, biggest thing that ties it all together is to have compassion for yourself. And I think for so many of us moms who try to juggle it all, you know, either we're feeling guilty because we're not spending enough time with our kids or we're feeling guilty because we said we were going to create this deadline and, 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 and be on this deadline. And we didn't, you know, we didn't do it. And so I think for me, the biggest thing is, is, you know what? Yeah, I have things to do that, um, that are on my lists from a month ago that still haven't been done. And it will get done in the time that it will take. And it's totally fine. And to, I think the last thing is, is to lean on um, others for support. Um, I think that's my biggest takeaway, because if I can share with another mom who's our neighbor, who can watch the kids for, you know, even an hour where I can just sit in peace and maybe plan out my days um, instead of reacting to the days, I, I definitely can get um, more done in the small of time amount of time that I do have, because most of the planning has already been done and then there's execution. But these are kind of the little things, right?
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's fascinating how you're unpacking it. I will tell you something that is just a real relief. And I can say that because my kids are, you know, teenagers now going into adulthood. Um, see, when you change that last nappy, you will remember that day because my kids like had 17 months in between them. And so at one point you're thinking, especially when they're real babies, it's like, well, I've got one. I might as well do the other one. <laughs> and that yes. last one is just like, okay, I am done on this now. <laughs> really, I can move on. We can move on from life. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. But what you're also describing actually, I think is really important in terms of the skill set that it gives you as your kids do go through the different stages of their own lives, because you, how you respond has to shift to them. So for example, at the moment, like, you know, you're speaking about writing a book, I'm writing my thesis and I'm at my desk, but when my kids are at home, cause it's the summer, like I've got to think, okay, what are they going to be eating? All of that stuff is still a priority. You know, are they getting up? Cause they're teenagers and all of these things. And, and I don't think it ever goes away, but I'm a firm believer that you evolve as an entrepreneur and as a coach because of mm-hmm. the skill sets that you learn from in my opinion, what is the best job in the world, which is being a parent. Mm, so true. So true. I I actually uh, never thought I would be having this much fun. So it's uh, while there's, you know, at night, I still was getting, I'm, I was still getting up last night, three times, or maybe even four times last night. But, you know, it's just, uh, you, you're, you're tired. There's, there's just, there's a lot going on, but I, I wouldn't trade it mm. for the world. So, mm. Yeah. And, and if, you know, I wish someone has said this to me, so I, I'm going to say this to you, Nita, and also to anyone who is a mom of young kids, cherish those moments because when mm. you're in the middle and you're kind of like doing a lot of stuff and you're really, really busy, it's easy just to think this is another feed or another nappy or another sleep or another play but actually each one of those is really, really special. And I wish I'd spent more time cherishing those moments. Mm, no, it's so true. It's so true. I think I, I learned a little bit from the, you know, the, the time that I had with my son. Um, there was so much going on and we had, so, we had live events. We had my husband's book launch. We had, you know, just, our, we, had, we had a lot going on. And um, I mean, I was rushing through everything. So I couldn't even say that I was present a lot of times with my son. We were just trying to, we were traveling a bunch. I mean, it was just, it was a crazy time and a crazy period um, where I knew that with my daughter, I wanted to, you know, take things just a little bit slower because I think that um, mentally I was completely burnt out. uh, And, uh, and I think that there's, you're right. There's just something to it. Um, with with cherishing the entire season that we have, uh, especially in the new days of parenthood. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think when you lean into that, it makes it a little bit easier and more enjoyable and things. And um, one of the things you mentioned was about slowing down. And, and I think that's quite um, an important concept for so many of us. So what what kind of practices do you have to help you to slow down? Oof. Yes. Uh, so um, the biggest thing is being able to say no. 
Um, you know, I, and, and I love you, Saida, and that's why, you know, I, I, I said yes to you, especially in this like window of, of limited time that I have, uh, in these new days. Uh, so this was one of the commitments that I made to myself that, um, you know, I was going to limit the amount of, uh, you know, time away um, so that I can focus on the the few things that I have really going on. And that was, uh, you know, saying no to a lot of things and amazing invitations that would come up, um, except for you. Uh, <laughs> and you already know why, but I think that you have so much to share with the world. So, um but because I'm one to say I'm the yes girl, I'm, I'm always like, you know, serving, serving love and how can I add value? So it definitely goes with, with my ethos. But, uh, I think in this manner, there was a lot of challenges that came up to test that. Uh, and so I think that for myself, um, you know, it was, really when I was saying no, I was really saying yes to myself to give myself that time period uh, to, to go inward. Another um, practice that I've been utilizing uh, in this moment now uh, is I'm usually a big journaler and I, I just use journaling as my way of just like releasing and getting out energy that's kind of, you know, stuck just like in my body and just to kind of develop that habit for writing, I guess. Um, and I haven't been able to do that because of, you know, where life is at right now. And instead of, um, you know, grieving that I can't do that, I've just turned to, cause I have my phone and I'll articulate my thoughts, um, mm-hmm. as I'm, I'm just pressing record on my phone. So I've been able to kind of release in this way. Uh, and it's just reminders to myself to slow down, um, you know, whatever thoughts are coming in my mind, whether it's, you know, it could have been an, a, a crazy night, like last night, uh, to be able to just kind of word vomit in a way um, where, you know, this is kind of my new release and my new journal prompt, even though, and I can be nursing and I can just enjoy nursing then because then I can have my phone and have that, you know, quiet time in my mind to mentally release. So that has been a really good practice uh, for those of you moms who want to try that, who don't really, you know, um, have the time to sit with the journal, uh, if you have small children, that's been great. And, um, the other thing is, is, uh, being able to add more play. So even with my daughter now being 11 months and, uh, fitness has been a really big part of my life, um, movement and fitness. And, um, while I haven't been back to any of those sorts yet. I think even walking (laughs) around the block has been kind of difficult these days. Um, but being able to enjoy the time that I do have. So incorporating, you know, 10 minutes of, of yoga or even stretching, but having her with me and lying down and, you know, incorporating there's exercises that you can do with the baby. Right. So Mm. I've just been able to, to be creative, um, in utilizing the time that I do have with the resources that I do have to, uh, to be able to slow down mentally, because I think so much of it is like, 
racing in ma- in our minds. Okay, what else do we have to do? What else do we have to do? And we're not really present with our children. And I know I was guilty of that with my son. And I wanted to just make sure that, okay, if I am going to prioritize some self-care time, but I can't get away from, you know, all of the things, how can I incorporate it in the daily routine so I can be present with with her and make it like a little playtime, but I'm also taking care of myself as well. And that brings me joy and that helps keep, you know, my balance, um, to really, uh, you know, have fun in the process. So. Mm. And I love that because, you know, as you're describing the the kind of um, exercise and taking care of yourself, you took me back to a memory that I have of um, uh, Halima sitting on the bed, chewing her dad's watch whilst I was on the cross trainer. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but the thing is, these things are really, really intense when you feel them and they're solid memories. And so you keeping your children with you and you're doing something to take care of yourself. And I think that's where um, the real balance comes in and you kind of remove guilt and all of those other nasty things that I think you can feel otherwise. And, and some, you know, and if I'm really honest, you know, I'd say there are days where I didn't know this stuff and you're kind of thinking a little bit of resentment leans in for a second and it's so important to avoid that because the last thing I think anyone wants to do is resent their own child oh one thousand percent and because you know I lean into a lot of emotional management I think it 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 is you know, it's such a a good refresher for me because I have a child who is now in the toddler stage. And so while most of my work has been around, you know, adult emotional management, emotional grit and resiliency, uh, it's been fascinating to, um, you know, learn about ways where the toddler is, is just they're they're the full end of the spectrum and he's going through a big transition where it's it's you know testing us in so many ways mm-hmm. um but it's also helping us you know i think as a family have more tools um because I know in my upbringing, that was not the case <laughs> at all, you know, and especially like, uh, you know, Indian Punjabi upbringing, you know, you have like, you get a tupper. And so it's like, that's kind of what it was. <laughs> and then you're quiet. So, um, and we're trying to lean into, uh, you know, different styles of parenting that's more uh, conscious and it requires a lot of, of patience. And so I think that, um being able to uh, take care of yourself and your self-care uh, is is so important because otherwise you can lean into those, you know, the negative spiral of emotions and, you know, the humanness comes up, which is totally fine and it will come up. Um, but how to manage it as it does, because, uh, you know, we are all human at the end of the day. Um, but to, to incorporate some of those self practices and even just awareness of, you know what, I am feeling this way today. And why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a, it's, it's been great because, uh, yeah, this is like real time and I can use my phone to process aloud because I'm an out, you know, I'm an, uh, 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 an, an allowed processor, uh, external, I should say processor. So it's, it's helped me in that way. 
Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And just even the kind of adaptations that you've made so that you can make it fit you. Because I think one of the things I find quite frustrating sometimes is when um, you read something and you're told, well, actually, this is the only way to do it. And then whenever that happens, I'm like, okay, you know what? I need to find a different teacher. and <laughs> I need to find some somebody else to help me. And and that maybe is a good entry point just to kind of have a conversation around um, what really uh, inspired me um, about you and Ajit and uh, Vision and kind of like coming into the Mind Valley um, ecosystem and then learning with Vision Lakiani and, and Ajit Nawalka and then kind of working with you, Nita and Ajit as well was that a few years ago I kind of just had this real like um, uh, moment where I thought all of my teachers are white and male and American mm-hmm. and I was like well I mean, my whole education system has been pretty much like that. And yet when you have an awareness of it, you kind of think, well, you know what, there's got to be other people that are out there that are in this field. And maybe I should learn from them. And and please don't think I'm disrespecting any of my teachers, because I certainly am not. I mean, they are masters in their field. And I still continue to learn from them. But there's just this little kind of piece about the cultural aspect and the other dynamics that I feel are also really useful to lean into. And I think the personal development space for far too long has been of one kind of demographic. 1,000%. You know, I think that... um, yeah, like even even myself uh, getting into this space, you know, there wasn't anybody to look up to that that looked like me. And so kind of you're you're kind of forging your own path. But I think it's so beautiful that um, even yourself, who, you know, is such a leader for so many others, um, we are going to attract more that more folks that look like us because we've been waiting. Um, we've been waiting for this kind of unveiling uh, that more and more of us uh, in, you know, brown culture community, um, you know, that kind of uh, resonates to a lot of the things that we had to grow up with, a lot of the things that we had to experience, you know, and even the nuances subculturally and things like that. But I think it's just so important because, you um, it's never, I think until recently been something that um, we would even question because you're right. You know, this patriarchy of, of um, the, you know, the white teacher has always been there. And so I I feel like even for myself, um, uh, kind of leaning into this space and becoming a teacher, becoming, uh, you know, uh, someone that, that um, is paving the way for others, Oftentimes, because I didn't have that representation, I was trying to kind of minimize the culture that I grew up with. And uh, because I thought that it just didn't matter uh, and and nobody would want to hear about that. But in actuality, it does matter 1000 percent because we have all of these completely different um, obligations and, uh, you know, um, community structures and, and how we're raised familial uh, obligations and, um, you know, even questions around I just shared with you you know the 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 cupboard <laughs> and and for our 
community, they'd be like, yeah, I totally get it. But then for somebody else, they'd be like, oh my gosh, is that like child abuse? And you're like, actually, no, but maybe, but I don't know, but this is kind of how you were raised. And so I think we can joke about it and laugh about it because we know how true some of those things are and how we can, can have agency over how we're going to um, shine the light for our own families and, and pave the way for others who kind of want to take a different approach than what the standard um, that has kind of been given to us. Mm, mm. And interestingly, one of the things that I'm writing about in my thesis is this whole kind of concept about being um, in the margins and like I'm on the margin of the margins. And I think that the change with within the field is going to come from the margins because actually there are so many of us that are there. And in the next few years, I predict the influence that we have is going to mean that there has to be a cultural shift within um, a lot of what's happening in personal development at the moment. And you're right about, you know, lack of role models and things, which is why for me, when I saw you guys, I was like, man, I need some of this (laughs) because we all need somebody to show us a little bit of the way. You know, and uh, it's a blessing in some ways that I'm now able to do this because hopefully even just this podcast and the work that we're doing at the Centre for Belonging and Understanding is kind of paving the path for other people to be able to do whatever it is that they want to do, you know. So true. It's so true. And I love, I love even, I love the title of that, the center of belonging and understanding. I think that's, I think that's the core. And I think that for so many um you know, of, of us really trying to grapple with our identity and grapple with, um, a lot of the questions around, um, you know, respect for our elders and a lot of the values we grew up with, but then also questioning, is this the right path for myself? Um, versus, uh, is this the right path for my parents or my family or, uh, and, and just a lot of these cultural nuances that, uh, we want to live the best life and we want to have, um, amazing conversations and we want to have amazing connections. And a lot of times, you know, the way we grew up wasn't really the best reflection of that. And so now we're, we're kind of taking, um, everything that we're learning, but also being able to infuse it in a way that makes sense for mm-hmm. our growth. And I, I love that you are um, you're focusing in on that because I think that, yeah, I feel like more and more of us need to share our voices and our stories, but we weren't really shown how to because in you know, growing up, you're taught, okay, you know, be subservient, be respectful, be mindful, don't raise your voice, don't share your ideas, elders are always right, all of these things. And so you grow up and you're kind of like, well, how am I taught to debate this if debate was never really a thing in our household? Um, And so uh, it's a it's a beautiful time for, uh, you know, teachers like you to really be able to question that and question it in a way where it is respectful. It is, um, you know, it's just peeling back the layer and giving uh, people tools in order to navigate those conversations, just like you're doing um, right now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means a huge amount. And, you know, I mean, you know, you are part of my story, right? So like, I look forward to when I can come and meet you, whether it's in California or Austin, it makes a difference and just kind of like give you a hug again, because that's something I'm really looking forward to. 
Amazing. Or London. <laughs> or London, actually, because because you did come to London. And I'm going to share this. It's so funny because um, Annalise um, Pacer, who I'm going to be interviewing on the podcast as well, she's oh, also in the Mailer Campbell community. And so, like, we, we are in the same space, but we'd never met until we both came to your event. And I remember just kind of like one day, I think it was a few months afterwards, the penny dropped where we should have somehow connected before and it didn't happen until you came into our lives. So even for that, I'm grateful to you. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Love her. (laughs) I have so many, so many questions that I want to ask you, but I am also mindful of the time. And, And one thing that I would like to ask is what, and who inspires you? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a big one. Um, that's a big one. So for, for me, I've had several, um, you know, several mentors, uh, growing up that I, that I leaned on given that, um, you know, I, I lost my parents early on and I had to grow up uh, really fast. So between the ages of, you know, 10, when I became a child caretaker to literally 19, when I lost my father, um, I needed to lean on other people. And the, I think the biggest person that I, uh, leaned on growing up when I was going through this darkness and this dark time, it was Oprah. Oprah was like on my TV <laughs> at, I remember it was like nine, nine in the morning, uh, on channel seven. Um, I grew up in Chicago and so her show was actually in Chicago. And so for so many years, um, you know, it was just watching her on TV, giving, you know, just just that giving giving me hope um, that I was going to get through this dark time uh, that, you know, the, the things that she would ask with her audience, the way that she would present herself, which was, you know, strong and uh, just curious. And, um, you know, with the things that she had been through, uh, I remember even, you know, writing her a letter because uh, uh, people would do that in Chicago to get on the show, not to be on her show, but to be in the audience in her show. And I remember doing that a few times. I obviously didn't get in, uh, but it was just, it was, you know, she just embodied this sense of um, strength, especially, uh, you know, with the trials and obstacles that she had been through, which was so meaningful for me, um, you know, as a as a young woman trying to just do her best for her for her family that was kind of falling apart. And so I think that was the biggest uh, inspiration um, for me at the time. And then uh, growing up, of course, um, you know, picking up one of the books uh, of, of Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer was like my one of my first uh entries into uh, personal growth and spirituality. And it was just uh, that what the one book, it was um, the power of intention. And that was that was his his book that really stuck with me. And I remember playing it over and over and over again. I don't know, for like, uh, probably weeks at a time to just, especially when I was going through a really, um, tough, uh, breakup and, um, and that really shifted my view of everything. And it started to peel the layers of, um, 
you know, and, and questioning what I was really doing in this so-called accomplished life that I had, but I had, um, I totally neglected my uh, emotional being, my mental health, um, even my my spiritual health, uh, and so that really brought me back to um, to some sort of you know discovery that began uh, to to find my way back to myself. Wow, that's really really powerful. And uh, gosh, you know, Oprah is such a role model for so many of us, and Wayne Dyer as well. And uh, I'm just really, really glad that their work is still available to us, you know. So um, I have one final question, which is what advice do you have for me? Ooh, <laughs> Ooh so good. Um, you know, I when I feel like when we've we've met, there has been like you've you've just exuded so much, so much confidence. And, you know, I think early on, I told you that you would attract a lot of people just like you. And I even remember you saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe I won't. Or, you know, there was like some hesitation or skepticism around it uh, because you had already been there, done that. And I'm like, well, I, you know, and I think that um, with that saying, uh, you know, if there was a younger version like myself or yourself out there that would be listening to this, that needed the permission to say yes to themselves, that needed the permission to say, you know what, what I'm learning, what I'm, how, how I'm, what I'm feeling, what I'm facing, I think there's more than just what I'm given, right? There's more that I can, I can do to discover who I am, what I like, what I dislike. Um, I think that is so powerful. And I think that for the work that you're doing, um, keep championing, you know, the un, the unheard voices and being unapologetic in the questions that you ask in these interviews. And uh, because ultimately you're giving permission for others to fly uh, because uh, like we've been kind of talking about this entire theme of this conversation of, of representation, um, you know, that's, you are who many of us, you know, brown girls growing up uh, would have loved to learn from if, if they were even given the, the space. Um, and I think so much of, of, of that, uh, you know, could avoid a lot of issues down the road and just, um, you know, have more of that sort of community of, of other people just being able to question, um, just question, uh, you know, the things that may not be, um, uh, may not be in alignment. Um, so that, that's what I would leave with you. The question is curious. Yeah. Yeah. You're so good. Like such good advice. I don't really know what to say other than I need to listen to this again so that I can really capture all of that awesomeness. Now, I want everyone who's listening and watching to find out more about you and kind of be able to benefit from some of your advice as well. So what are the best ways that they can do that? Oh my goodness. Well, you can, I am always on Instagram. So at meet the Bushin on Instagram, um, drop me a DM, DM, say hello. I would love to connect. Thank you so much, Nita. This has been a real, real gift. And, uh, honestly, you're such a treasure in my life. You know, I, mm -hmm. I don't really know 
Uh, I can't find words to express what I want to say. And I can feel I'm starting to like get that visceral shift of I'm going to cry in a minute. But I just, you know, I so look forward to connecting with you again in the same actual space. And, you know, what I see of what you're doing in, in, in the world in terms of balancing this whole thing with being a mom and entrepreneur is just so inspiring. So just keep doing everything that you're doing because you remind us to be better. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so glad. I can't wait for more. If you enjoyed this episode of With Sayada, I'd appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find out about the podcast and the work of the Centre for Belonging and Understanding.